Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome to T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio here at Rosalind's Corner. I welcome everybody to my corner. Listen, we are going to talk about things that's happening within our community, things that are happening within our nation, and things that are happening around the world. Um, We always like to start our show out. You know me. Come on. Everybody who listens to my show. We always talk about the great achievements that we're doing here at T25CL uh, Entertainment, LLC. Um, I invite you to go to our website, www.t25cl.com, view all the great things that we're doing, and most of all, hey, support United We Stand, the movie. Trust me, you will be invigorated. You'll be uh, um, put in awe, and you will really, really enjoy what's going on with our company. T25CL Entertainment is an innovative company. We do global distribution for independent music artists, film, spoken word, uh, those who have books, those who are authors. You want to get your uh, book up on our website, we do have e-books. Come on, let's spread the word, spread the talent, and let's get it out there, okay? I invite you to go to my Website, www.t25cl.com. All right, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for all my listeners around the world, you know, so much is going on within these here United States of America, uh, the transition of power, uh, the last um, address that the President Obama had given was really, really phenomenal. And so we got to think about that. So many things are happening within our nation. Uh, with the new president-elect coming into power, he gave his first uh, speech today as well. So it's a, it's a, a change. Uh, everybody knows it's a change, of course. But what I want to really tap into, because, you know, with the beginning of this year, with all the politics and all everything that's going on, of course, we want to transition. Everybody wants just, 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 you know, anchor in, hold on for the ride, and just see where we go as a nation, as a people. Um, call into my show. I want you to share your views of what you think of what's going on within our nation. What do you think can be better? When, what, where, and how, okay, can things be better? And as I stated last night um, when we were talking um, with uh, um, the show Straight Talk from the Higher Brush with Rodney Best and Dr. Nanana Kwaku, we had a great show, and we talked about things that's going on within our nation. Even the chief was on. And so we talked about great things that um, that's going on and then things that need to change, okay? And we know the economy, um, everything that's going on with 
jobs. Um, there was um, the AFL-CIO had given their view about what's been taking place within, you know, the jobs and economy. Uh, they stated that years after the official end of the recent recession, America is still in a job crisis. Even though Obama says, you know, um, under his administration, they have been more job growth. Now, although job growth is slowly picking up steam, you know, with steady private sector job creation, we still have a long way to go, okay? Job losses come on top of decades of inadequate job growth, wage stagnation, and growing, he really hit on this one, growing inequality, Okay? The U.S. economy is increasingly imbalanced, with the top 1% holding more than 40% of the nation's wealth. So you have these views from these organizations that are letting you know, hey, we have a long way to go. There's things that we still need to do. I mean, you got to think about uh, organizations, businesses, government, inventors, who wants to create good jobs and help restore America's middle class and challenge policies that stand in the way of giving America the chance to go back to work. People want to go back to work. You see so many people that are homeless and on the street, and these people are well-educated. You will find well-educated people who are homeless, okay, because of the lack of work. We need to get it back. Uh, and we think about these, these organizations that have a movement and partnering with, partnering with you know, uh, each one, um, such as uh, they said that Clinton Global Initiative, to find an innovative ways to create good jobs that support workers and their families. Not only workers, we've got to think about our veterans who will come back. They're looking to do, they're looking to have our veterans which I kind of agree on. They're giving their lives for this nation. For them to have free medical care. Okay? Now, free medical care for our veterans. Okay? Let, let's, let's think about that. They are giving their lives and giving it all up for our nation. Okay? And we think about um, what needs to be done. We have veteran health care and all the benefits that they have, okay? Um, different organizations that, you know, have been serving, you know, different, uh, serving over the nations for, for a number of years um, with, you know, Blue Shield, Blue Cross, and, and all those, all the different, you know, Covered CA, Covered CA and <clears throat> Covered California, excuse me, so you have different, you know, organizations that are, you know, giving our veterans the benefit of the medical needs and things that they 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 should have. Um, but that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg with what's going on. You know, um, we think about why is it even important to keep honoring our veterans. We need to honor them with giving them the the, the honor. Give the saying is. Give honor where honor is due. And I think that they are deserving of 
the honor that is deserved of them. Okay. All right. Well, you know, let's let's go on to tap on just a few other things because I wanted to really think about um, all the. I'm on. I'm, I'm, I got a few people on here. It's holding on, but I want to go ahead and and go uh, and express what's really going on with our nation. Um, with uh, President Obama leaving office and with uh, President-elect Trump coming in, there are a lot of people that say, you know what, well, I, I really, I am so ready for President Obama to leave this White House. And not because he's been a bad president, but because of all the disrespect that he has gotten from this nation. Barack Obama must be one of the most disrespected presidents in American history. Think about that. First, there was a question about his birth certificate. Come on, somebody. The birth certificate. Unaware that Hawaii joined the Union in 1959. Okay? You know, we're in the streets asking to see the, the certificate like, you know, some type of disgruntled man on, you know, the Maury show. You know? And then during an address to a joint session in Congress in 2009, Representative Joe Wilson shouted, I remember this, he was out there and he shouted, you lie. As President Obama tried to explain the details of the Affordable Care Act, Wilson was later unapologetic and used his heckling as an opportunity to raise money for a re-election. Okay? Just, just outright. How are you going to just sit there and call the President of the United States a lie. I mean, you can go behind closed doors, behind your closed doors, but out there sitting in Congress, okay. I mean, it's just crazy. And then when he traveled to Arizona in 2012, you remember, uh, what's her name? Governor Jan Brewer. Pointed her finger in Obama's face as soon as he arrived at the airport. The only thing she didn't do was call him a boy. Okay, come on, somebody. She treated him like, you know, the N-word without having said it. It was just her gestures. <clears throat> I mean, these things we think about with the disrespect that he's had. But let's take it back, okay? Because we need to think about all the good that he's done and the changes that he's made. And like he said, even with Obamacare, he says, I will relinquish Obamacare if I see that you are bringing in something that's better. I mean, I, anyone could agree with that. If I had a plan and I put that plan in place and someone comes along and says, I could make it better, why would you not agree? He agreed. I have some callers on the line. Uh, let's see who we have uh, callers from uh, Northern California. Um, who is this calling in? Um, Let's see, I may have Dr. Quaco on the line. Is that you, Dr. Quaco? Uh, yes, yes, I am, uh, Ross. How are you tonight? I am great, <clears throat> great. Thank you for joining in tonight. You know, I wanted to tap into what we were discussing last night because there was so much that was shared and so much more that could be shared um, with what we were talking about regarding our nation and, and the, the transitions and the changes that we are that we are uh, confronted with as a nation, as a people, as a family, as a community, 
so many things that are taking place within our country. And so maybe you can share a little bit, you know, about what we shared last night. And then what you what and another thing, did you watch the uh, the uh, the uh, press conference this morning with uh, President Elect? Uh, no, actually, I was out doing some real work uh, <laughs> today. I'm so glad we're all friends because sometimes we, we we do disagree on certain topics because. Uh, you know, I I take issue with our nation, you know, because until we as people of color and, and minorities and other ethnic groups that come here can get true justice, not based on the dollar, but based on true ethics, I am very hesitant about saying this is my nation. We We should be building a nation within a nation because the nation at large does not see us as equal. They don't see us, as you were just talking about, how disrespectful they were to Barack Obama, which showed that they they saw him as no more than a a, a slave. You know, that's mm-hmm. the way they see him. And so in 2016, 2017, now, they still uh, have not, came to the realization of be are willing to accept the fact that we are equal because us being equal to them means that they have somehow uh, be in, in turmoil. You know, it's a, it becomes a war about who's on top and who's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was a, I don't know if you ever read the book on Abraham Lincoln's life. It was called uh, Rushed in the Glory or Pushed in the Glory or something by uh, I forget the brother's name who wrote the book, but uh, Abraham Lincoln, on the night that he was, uh, you know, when he went to his inauguration, when the first night as president of the United States, mm-hmm. and the first deal was on his death, and it was being pushed by Republicans to free the slaves. And and the first thing that came out of his mouth when they brought the bill and that to him, he says, why, after all the things I've done in life, and now I'm the president of the United States, and the first thing I got to do is sign a bill to free the niggas. You know, so <laughs> we need to understand all the historical context of why they feel the way that they feel about us. They are threatened by us. That's the, the main issue. And and Lincoln said more than one time, he said, uh, in a world where there has to be somebody in charge or somebody on the top, he preferred that that somebody be the white man. So Abraham Lincoln never saw us as equals. He signed mm-hmm. the bill because it was forced on him because of the politics that was being played around the issue. You know, exactly. Yeah. So have, yeah. So we have to understand, and I think once we can get past that, that you know, that psychological barrier of the somehow there's a few races out there. There's not a few races out there. There is a whole lot of races out there. And and it's predicated on being in charge. They can't stand the fact that they don't want to be equal to us because us being equal to them means that one day we may be supervising them. Uh, We may be over them. 
and they can't stand that idea, and they will fight, even though they may not, you know, really dislike. They don't dislike you because of your color. They dislike you because they are intimidated and afraid of what a real movement by African people all over this planet would mean if we ever come together. That's why it's divide and conquer. That's why it's a continuous battle. That's why they've destroyed Africa. That's why they have the G20 summit every year to try to slow down the population growth of Africa. All of these things are relevant. And so I, when I say my nation, I don't, I don't have a nation. We are a black people lost in the diaspora of America. And we are being used like a little ping pong ball, bounce from one place to other. One, we get some rights, they take them back. We get some rights, they take them back. I shudder to think what they're going to do when they they stack the Supreme Court, when Donald Trump gets all his cronies in there. The rules are going to change. Because Donald Trump has already stated during his his run that he thought we ought to go back to states' rights. Well, anybody over 30, 50 years old in this country know what states' rights meant. States' rights was when they were sicking dogs and the police were beating black people in the head just for trying to sit at lunch counters. That's what states' rights was all about. I remember when they had a sheriff down there in Georgia who was selling axe hounds to beat black people in the head just because they wanted to drink from a water fountain. You know, so... I, I can't get to the, I'm not there yet. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not condemning nobody else for that. I can't get there to call this my America. Because, and in fact, if you remember back when uh, uh, Michelle first got into the White House and she made the statement when her husband got elected for the first time in her life, she was proud of America. And they came out and tried to beat her to death with that. Because what they were saying, that uh-huh. what they were trying to imply is that this woman was un-American, and now she's all of a sudden American because her husband gets elected to the president of the United States. So uh-huh. we have a long ways to go, and I think, you know, we have to stop cleaning up their house. We have to stop cleaning up their house and clean up our own house. And, and once we show that, once we can demonstrate that, I think we'll get respect. Because they may not like it, but I guarantee you, if they see us coming together, establishing business, establishing banks, establishing insurance company, uh, having ships uh, to have a product brought in from from all over the world, so that we can we can have legitimate businesses and we can have uh, reliable resources to to keep those businesses functional, then exactly. we will be, then we will be we'll be respected. And so mm-hmm. until I get that, until I can sense, feel that of their respect, I can't call myself one of them. I'm not an American. I am a black man in America waiting on the opportunity to get the, the respect that we all deserve. Well, so, one person said, one person said that uh, there is only one race, and that's the human race, mm-hmm. um, tapping into that. But then also the fact that a black man, could rise so high was shocking to this nation. That was shocking within itself. It made so many people think that, you know, things were going to get better. It gave us hope. But now that hope is gone, okay? I mean, it, it is 
clear that no matter how high you rise, no matter what office you hold, no matter how hard you work, if you are black, if you are a person of color, many people will treat you like a second-class citizen. I mean, no, they, they won't. They won't, you know, use the the racial, you know, uh, epitaph. They won't. They won't say that. But they will not burn a cross in your yard. I mean, they will not, you know, spit in your face. Although some I have. But the undeniable fact is that, you know, like they say, they even with white supremacy is here to stay, and no election will cure that ill. Brock said this in his uh, speech yesterday. Racism is still here. It is going to be here for a while until people get their minds changed. As long as you have racism Rearing its ugly head is going to be here for generations. I hope and pray because, like he was saying, he's depending on the new next generation to see that they are a, um, um, a generation that, show, that, that, that sees no color or no color line unless they're raised in it. And, and so many are. There's still a lot of young kids because you see it on, on Facebook and on YouTube, you know. Uh, with these little little kids, you know, doing saying the words and you know and standing there with the Confederate flag and all that kind of good stuff. But the fact of the matter is, he's trusting in the new gen, this next generation, because our generation, these baby boomers and beyond before that, man. I mean, man, sometimes you just lose so much, you know, hope in this generation. So. Uh, you can say to yourself, man, I, I, I'm tired of seeing President Obama just get blatantly disrespected. You know, and so it, it, it's kind of good that he's going out, but sometimes kind of good. I wish he could stay, but there, even with him, you know, he's made mistakes. He's made mistakes. But I, I'm sorry, people, but he has, he's, he's a man still that's well respected. He is nowhere compared to what's coming up now. Now, of course, we we have no choice but to give this man, you know, go do what you got to do. Let's see what you're going to do. Um, but what I want to do right now, I want to give uh, my other callers uh, a view to, you know, uh, you know, horn in and, and tell us what you what you what you think. I got a call from uh, New Jersey. I mean, who's this calling in right now? Hi, good evening. This is Alex. Hi, Alex. How are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? You have a great topic tonight. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So uh, what's your comments? I know you got it. Come on, sister. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I guess we say we have no choice with this Trump, but we got to do something. We can't just put this man come in and just do whatever the hell he wants to us and just let him get away with it. You know, I believe that this is going to be the time when black people are going to look at each other and be like, we have to defend each other. You know, if you look like me and you, and you think like me and you want the same things like me, then we got to just do this. You know, we have to unite. Mm -hmm. That's my take on it. Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. Quaker, were you going to say 
Oh yeah, w- without a doubt. I I I sincerely believe we have to unite. We have to remember that there's close to 40 million black people in America. You understand? Uh, that is the budget, the, the money that goes through the black community is like 800 and some billion dollars every year. And and here's the the, the, rea- the reality of it all. If if we were separated from these people altogether with that kind of economic base we'd be the 10th largest country in the world. Why are we still running around begging these people to like us, begging for their respect, uh, allowing them to abuse us and disrespect us, and at the same time, our children are sitting around watching us do this? It is time for us to make a decision. And I think the conversation we had last night, and I'm not sure who said it, if you haven't found something worth dying for, you probably haven't found anything worth living for. Mm. You know, I submit to you that our grandchildren, each one of us on this call here tonight, needs us to step up now so that 20 years from now they won't be experienced in this same college. They need us to step forward. And we can can make excuses and we can say, well, we got to give these people a chance. How many hundreds of years do we need to give them chances? How mm-hmm. long? And my, I think mine was, how long do we have to do this before they mm-hmm. recognize? Even Martin Luther King realized before he was murdered, and he, he made, in one of his last speeches that you don't hear a lot about because they want to keep you dreaming. I have a dream, but he made a speech and he said, we as black people are going to have to come together. At this time, they were all of the guys, Stokely Carmichael, Michael Max, everybody was coming around to the same uh, viewpoint on thinking. We had got to come together, and Martin said, if we, if we are ever going to receive justice in this country, he said, we're going to have to do it without the sympathies of white people. You understand what I'm saying? He said, without the Sympathies of white people. And he, he realized that when he had his last meeting with, with Johnson, when Johnson was president of the United States. And that's when Martin started to become more political. That's why he was down there for that garbage strike down in, uh, was it Tennessee? Or what, what part of the country was uh-huh. where they killed? Tennessee. Yeah, it was, Tennessee. Yeah, it was, yeah. He went down and got involved with that because up until that time, the establishment loved Martin. Because whenever we got unruly, Malcolm uh, Martin came out there and calmed us down and got us to marching. So they was marching instead of burning. And so mm-hmm. once Martin realized that and started to become political, they said, we have got to stop this guy. Because Martin was, at that time, was probably the most popular person around. As long as he was leading people saying, peace. We'll only do peace for marches. We'll do peace. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to throw any bricks. We're not going to burn any buildings. We're not going to do any stuff. We're, everything we're going to do is going to be peaceful. And and the establishment liked that because they said, okay, we'll give him, we'll even send the police and the guard down there to help them march from one city to the next because that, that way no property is being destroyed. Yet there were no laws being changed because of it. You know, so we have got to wake up and realize that the, the establishment, which is the white society, and I don't mean that from a racial standpoint, because I know that there are people out there who don't adhere to those racial attitudes, but 
the, the masses and the ones who control the wealth, those people are the ones who keep this year races, regimes, and power. How did Trump get elected? You have to look at that. Well, when Obama then was running, they, was, they got mad and they developed the Tea Party. The Tea Party started mm-hmm. to separate off. And, and to show you how ignorant we are, some of us went and joined the Tea Party. Well, we knew it wasn't nothing but an offshoot from the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. It, shows you, it shows you how twisted our psychological thinking is that we, everything that we see them doing, we go and jump into it thinking that somehow, somehow we're going to be elevated up and, and we're going to be accepted. They are not going to accept us and they won't accept us because they want to be ruled over us. And they want to rule over us because they're afraid of what the opposite would be. If they don't rule over us, they're afraid that we will one day rise up and rule over them, and they will never stand still for that. So we've got to get this whole Americana ideology out of this European ideology, out of our mindset. And I think the chief have talked about this a number of times, about how we need to have a mindset change. Because mm-hmm. as long as we think, and, and, and preach and talk the same dialogue, the same thing will continue to go on. When we have a complete mindset, so no, I'm no longer going to participate in my own demise. I'm no longer going to ask the man for a job. I'm going to go out and create a, create a job myself. I'm going to get together with other brothers and sisters and formulate committees and, and, and things so that we can come together and, and come up with ideas about how we can you know, not defeat them, but to elevate our own self instead of waiting on them to elevate us up where we'll feel equal. I am equal to them now and above because I refuse to accept white supremacy as a rule of law. They can think whatever they want, but if we don't participate in it, then it's not so. And I submit yeah. to you, I, I'd like to get some feedback from what you guys think because we have to stop participating in our own demise. Calling ourselves African Americans, Americans, and all these things does not does not compute into freedom, justice, and peace and equality. Very well said. Very well said, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You're here at T25 Tell Galaxy Talk Radio here at Roswell's Corner, and we're having a very very intricate discussion about what's going on within our nation and. Uh, um, and we have Dr. Nanana Kwaku on. We have Alex on. We also have another caller from New York. Caller, give us your name. Where are you calling in from? Caller, are you there? Maybe we have a listener. That's okay. That's all right. Um, yeah, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to retort on, um, on Dr. Nanana Kwaku's um, uh, commentary. That First of all, that is very, very insightful because we have to get together as a people but at the same time that we're uniting we have to understand that there's some of us that we got to just leave behind because there's some of us within our community that is not for us and we see it so as we unite we got to leave them behind and if they want to come along later okay but those people we got to leave behind and I think that's what holds back sometimes is because you know, we go out there and we try to do things with people within the community. And when you see certain people reacting in a way 
you you know, you, you're like, why can't they understand? You know, they're holding on to these things that are not real. You know, this idea of being uh, part of the American fabric when they don't want you as a part of their fabric, you know. So those people, you got to leave them behind until they're ready to come on board. And, uh, you know, but I'm all about unity. Um, I think that's what's held us back. And whether or not Willie Lynch theory is, is true, but um, the we I think we're allowing that to be a reality in our communities, and we got to stop it. Without a doubt, I, I agree with you. You can call it Willie Lynch. You can call it Americanism. You can call it white supremacy. You can call it what you want. The real reality of it is, is that the if you look at America, and you you don't need a book, and that's why I tell people if you don't have to be an intellect or you don't even know how to read. If you look around you every day in your community, when I walk around the Bay Area, I see every group being prosperous and independent except for African-Americans, or so-called African-Americans. I don't even like the term. And the reason being is because we are so, we, we, we're, we're too busy trying to fit in and accept everybody and everything. Everybody is not going where you're going. Everybody don't want to go where you're going. And what happens if, you have, if you're if you on your way to go somewhere that's positive and somebody back here is holding you back, what you have to do? You have to cut them loose. One of the things that my father said with, you know, me and my, my brother, and my oldest brother, and he said, look, he said, when you guys go out into the world, he said, you look out for each other and you watch each other's back. But if one starts to doing something that drags the other down, you see, you cut him loose and you move on. We have a hard time cutting loose negative stuff that's dragging us down because for whatever reason, that, that's the only thing that we have connected to. We can be in communities where all this negativity is going on. And I tell you, I seen something. I didn't see it personally, but I was working in Oakland. And I don't know if any of you guys heard of this and and there was a fight. There was an older woman, and there was a young girl who got in a fight out there in the street. And show you how we think and the reason they don't have any respect for us. These, this woman and this young girl got in a fight. This woman stabbed this young girl to death. And you know what the brothers and sisters out there did? They stood and made a circle around them, them while they was fighting and wouldn't let the girl out until that woman killed that girl. What? Right out there in the street. It shows you the mentality that we have allowed ourselves to be degraded to. And I, t- I told people at that time, I said, every one of those people should have been arrested for murder. But they didn't. You know, they arrested the woman who actually stabbed. But they circled this young girl and allowed this woman to stab her to death and wouldn't let her out of that circle until that woman killed her. And I thought it was the most disheartening, sickest thing I'd ever heard of. I said, how can somebody be so callous about somebody in their own community's life? We don't have no respect for each other, and we expect those people who want to have rule of us to respect us. It's not going to happen. Respect is not something that somebody gives you. It's something you demand. 
You demand respect. You don't ask somebody to give you respect. You demand that they give you respect. And we have to get about that business, and we have to start educating our children, but we have to set the right example. Let them see us working together, bringing the community up. Let them see mm-hmm. that because they are going to emulate what they see. If all they see is is people driving Cadillacs and Rolls Royces and selling dope and got fine clothes, if that's all they see, if that's the thing that's the most positive thing they see, that's what they're going to try to be like. But if they see brothers and sisters out there working together, trying to bring that community up and elevate that community up and making contributions that will you that will help sustain them, they will try to emulate that too. Well, let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, um, when we talk about um, us as a people um, and how there are, and I've seen this too, when you talk about people of color, of course we, we can, you know, consider ourselves first as African-Americans we want to see our nation rise. We want to see our people rise. Get up out of the muck and the mire that you're in and rise above all of this. But then you turn around, you look back, and you see there are some people like our Hispanics. We see uh, even some who are white folks who are, are wanting to, you know, join in with the movement of African Americans. What would you say? say to those people, other than African-Americans, other than black people, mm-hmm. what would you say to those people who say, you know, I want to help. What can I do to help? I know that uh, Chief had said this of Malcolm X when the white woman came up to him and said, mm-hmm. well, what can we do? What, what can we do? How can we help? And he said nothing. And Malcolm turned around later on and said that was the biggest mistake that he had done. Yeah. So when you when you have yeah. when you have people who are not black, white people who feel the brunt of the stick, um, Mexicans, Hispanics, uh, even you know some maybe are Koreans and people of color. This is just people of color who may not feel the brunt as much as we as African Americans, but do feel the brunt as well. What would you say to them? I'm going to start with you, Alex. What would you say to them? Is Alex there? Alex? Oh, I think we lost her. Well, go ahead, Dr. Quaker. What would you say to them? Well, my my thing has always been this. I, I think that we have to stand, you know, a uh, uh, sister told me one time from the motherland, she said every tub has to stand on its own bottom. You know, in other words, I, it's just like I have worked in the Bay Area. I work with the Native Americans. I work with Spanish. I work with Asians, all types of people. And the message is still the same, that we need to lift ourselves up. If you want to support us, fine. We love it. We'd love to have you come on and, and support what we're doing. But I think that we have to formulate our own uh, inner circle that, that controls the dynamics that go on, the politics and the economics that go on in our community. Because if it don't, other people are going to take this stuff and it's going to take it out. We're going to still see an outflow of what we're trying to do instead of 
building up the the infrastructure. The infrastructure is the build is the African people, you know. So if they want to uh, to to help, uh, uh, you know, bring about equal justice to African people, God knows we have marched and brought equal justice to a whole lot of people on this planet, except to ourselves. So they can do the same. They can support us. They can support our businesses. You know, they can do all of the things that we presently do for every other group. Yeah, because this is, this is what this is what yeah this is what I'm 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 really getting at because Allison made a key point when she says you know not everybody's going to be for this not all black no. people are going to be for this you know so if you don't have black people who are who are for it but you have people of other nationalities who are how would you fit them in the spectrum of building our community building our our you know our economics. When you have diversity of races who want to come together as one to build, so so can you say? I know we we want, like you say, we, we as African Americans, as, as Black people, we want to come together and let get together and stop, you know, being against one another, and let's do what we're supposed to do as a people because we the struggle. Nobody's been through a struggle like we've been through. Our ancestors been through. Nobody has been through that like we've been through. But now we're in a new generation that people see. They learn of what we tell them. Not what them books are telling them, but what our ancestors are telling them. What our great-grandmas and great-grandpas are telling them when they were slaves. When their pops and their moms were slaves. They tell the story when they're sitting around the table and they tell them the true story of slavery, or they tell the true story of the, uh, the, the murder and, and everything that took place back then. So when you think about that and you're teaching these, you know, these, these young white kids and these, you know, other, you know, Hispanic kids and other people of other color who are coming in and saying, wow, you know, I didn't know that. What can I do? I don't, my mind is not like that. I don't, I'm not like my pops. I'm not like my grandpa. I'm not like, you know, you have those people. And like Alex said, you have some black folks who you just, just, you know, just rather be white. Mm-hmm. So you have this diversity going on within this nation where, you know, where does it, like um, Roddy was saying, where, 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 what, and when, and how, okay? You have all these questions going on within, you know, our communities, even within our own minds as individuals. When we look in the mirror and we think about, okay, what's, what's going on? What's going to happen today? What do we do today? What changes will I make today? Or who will come into my life and make a change in my life? Who will come into my life and, 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 and make me change my mind? about things. So you have all these things going on, you know, and you have people who want to join. Who say, I want to help. What can I do to help? Would you not let them help? You oh, would I not would let them help. Away. I would let them right. help because even if you go back and you listen to what Malcolm said, and I, I had joined up with Malcolm them right before he got killed when they started the OAAU, which is the Organization for African-American Unity. 
And at that time, you know, he when he had changed, he said, yeah, you want to help, you can help. You can make, you can contribute by supporting what we're doing, or you can make donations. You can do whatever you want to do, but you can't join us because we, as a people, need to have govern ourselves. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's lacking with our people is the inability to govern ourselves. And then when you let that be infiltrated with all these other dynamics, it further dilutes the ability for that to happen. But even though he said that he shouldn't have made that statement at that time when the girl asked it, he still told him, he said, you can help, but you can't join us. And that's why he formed the OAAU. You know, well, so we have okay. huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. So we have to understand that the only way for us to be, to reach that, that plateau that we're trying to lead, to get to, is that we have to do it ourselves. If somebody else comes and does it or infiltrates, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's kind of like the NAACP. A lot of people don't know there was a, a Jewish man who actually was one of the, mm-hmm. the founders of the NAACP. And these organizations, mm-hmm. and, and right now to this day, and I know because they got me out of jail one time in Boston, they only jump on high-profile cases. You call them up about some regular injustice, and they ain't got time because you know what happens when there's these high-profile cases? They get all these donations from these big-time people there. And so they, and they don't help you. If you think I'm wrong, and I've even tried to help people who were without lawyers or didn't have the funds to pay for lawyers here by sending them to the NAACP, and they can't help them because it's not – they ain't going to tell you that. But if it's not a high-profile situation that's going to get them more donations, they're probably going to tell you that they can't take the case or they're going to tell you they're too full or they don't have enough lawyers available, whatever. So the thing about it, we have to have our own entity. That's what Marcus Garvey was about. That's what Mabuto, Sosa Maduto in Africa was about. That's what Malcolm was about. And that's why they went about the business of taking these people out of existence because they knew that these people, the, the mentality that they were speaking from had the, 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 the ability to bring about that change that was so drastically needed for, for Africa people. Because here's the thing. Everybody on, in the world is watching black folks in America. Mm-hmm. In Africa, mm-hmm. they're watching us. We have to stand up, and once we stand up, then we will we will reach we'll be able to reach across the oceans and across the waters to the other country. There are black. Do you realize there's black people all over the world? Don't you think that is just outrageous? That don't you think that's something? All mm-hmm. over the world, because we've been scattered and uh, and uh, bamboozled and moved and and murdered and slaughtered and disorganized and taught against each other. I knew black people when I used to live in Brooklyn uh, uh, who come from Haiti or come from, uh, 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 what were some of the other people? Uh, God, I forget what they called them. They called them Guinness or something. But they was as black as me and you, but they didn't want to have nothing to do with American Negroes. It shows you how when you go to go to different islands, if you go to uh, uh some of the other islands are like, you know, where black folks are, are dominant in the cultures. 
And they are thinking somehow that they are better than you. But the only thing that happened is just like uh, 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 Dr. Ben said, they just got dropped off before we did. Mm-hmm. They got dropped off at another island before we did. Our people is all over this world. And we have been uh, bamboozled into thinking that somehow we're different. We are not different. I've spoken with people in Ethiopia, and, and, and I've seen the attitudes of some of the people who think for whatever reason, well, somehow I'm better. I heard, I heard an Ethiopian woman one day. I was in a meeting in, in, in the Bay Area in Richmond, and she was standing out there talking to a bunch of white women, and she was telling them how, how lazy she thought African Americans were. This is an Ethiopian sister, and I didn't try to embarrass her. I waited until they got started, and I called off the side. I said, look, I said, I don't get into nobody's business, and, I, you know, I really, you know, I couldn't help but hear what you're saying. I said, don't ever, don't ever take their side and stand up and, and tell those people stuff like that. Another black person standing up enforcing what white folks already believe about you. But she was standing there talking about black people in America because she just came here. You know, she was talking about black people in America. They're lazy. They don't want to do nothing. I said, you should never, ever do that stuff. And I told her. And she said, well, what's wrong? They, I said, no, all black people are not lazy. You know, okay. she was just feeding this stereotype that they're already feeding to the world. Mm-hmm. So people come here from all these different places, and they look at the American black man as if he was something lower than dirt. Mm-hmm. And it's because we participate in this garbage with him. So we have a long ways to go. And Malcolm always said, we have got to integrate among ourselves. we got to integrate among ourselves before we can integrate with somebody else. Now come on. That's right. You know, so that's what it's all about. It's not like uh, having some animosity against other groups. Sure, if they want to support us, fine. But we are the ones who need to control the politics and the economics that goes on in our community. Until we can establish that base, that foundation, then we can't allow other people to come in and have say. In other words, like in the OAAU, he said white people could help. They could support us any way that they wanted to, but they could not be on the board. They could not be in the decision-making mm-hmm. positions. And so mm-hmm. that's what he that's what he graduated to for by the time he went to Mecca and come back and you know, before that, that incident with the with the young girl up at Harvard University. You know. And and he right. learned. He learned. Right. But he, he still well, held on to his he held on to the belief that we have to do for ourselves. Because as long as somebody else is doing something for you, for all intents and purposes, they still have control over you. They still have control. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, you're here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. Before I wrap it up, I want everybody to have a last comment. I, I thought I had a call from New York, but I, I guess not. Um, um, I'm here. Be- Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. here. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, uh, go ahead. Um, what do we have? Uh New York, come on, New York. Hello. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed the show. I was uh, um, because you covered so many topics, and I. Yeah, I can't hear. 
Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I appreciated everything the doctor was saying, and, oh, I need to um, tune in more often to your show. I've caught a few of them, but definitely informative information. Um, I just couldn't help but thinking of a few things that Dr. King said before he died, like, um, you know, us, um, him being afraid that he integrated his people into a burning house. Um, yes. You know, I think back in the day when we were segregated, when blacks had their own things, we had everything, even on baseball teams mm-hmm. and things. But once mm-hmm. we integrated, we had one Jackie Robinson on one Yankee white team, and we mm-hmm. they obliterated all the black baseball teams. Yeah. So, you know, segregation in a way it was kind of good. The integration that shows it was now just a story of us trying to fit in. Yeah. So, and see, uh, but, and the, that's great. I'm glad that you brought that up. That is a very important uh, subject matter. Go ahead. Oh, and the last thing I just wanted to say was when Dr. King said, you know, um, I think in his last speech, he says, you know, next time we come to Washington, we're coming for our check. I think when you hey, stay in that hey. vein, you know, when you yes. stay in that vein and yes. not, you know, not let go. Right. We we have to. And and, 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 and and see, the thing about it, when you watch Martin's and you study Martin's life and you study, I, I guess I was blessed to be in that era. They were uh, older than I was. So I was a young man trying to find my way in the world. And that's how I, got, I happened to get connected up with Malcolm now. But. You know, you if you watch these people, they learned as they went. They made mistakes. They weren't, you know, perfect, but they were perfect for what they were doing. Martin was leading one group from one perspective, and Malcolm was leading from another perspective. Then you had the H. Rap Browns. You had Kwame Touré. Uh, you know, you, they had the Black Panthers that was uh, bringing coming up. So. You know, all of these things really brought to the forefront that we had the ability to to come together. The thing about it is is that they got disorganized. You know, uh, they got in disarray because there was wars going on in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference with Reverend Ralph Abernathy and Jesse Jackson. And, you know, these guys were fighting over Martin Luther King's job. You know what I'm saying? Just like the, the, with the Muslims and uh, uh, Farrakhan there. You know, Malcolm taught Farrakhan, and this guy turned around and stabbed him in the back. You understand? So, and, and the Panthers, they got invaded by the FBI and, and put drugs in, into the thing. You know, and so the thing about it, we can't allow these other people to come in. I think for one for one thing, Martin and Malcolm was coming. To, remember when Martin, I don't know if how old you guys are, but Martin and Malcolm had a meeting. And, and I don't know if you guys ever seen the play, but I've seen some people do a play of it. In fact, a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Lange, you know, you're familiar with uh, Ted Lange used to be on the love boat? Yeah. Yeah, well, Michael Lange, uh, who he just passed away of cancer uh, not long ago, but I did some videos with him and some shows with him. But they did the 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 meeting. I don't know if you ever get a chance to go see the play. It's called The Meeting. And it's about Martin and Malcolm coming together. And by the time that Malcolm was murdered and, and then later Martin was murdered, they were coming to the same place. They were coming to the same realization that we have to stop being divisive and come together. 
we have to, you know, there's some things we're going to agree on and there's some things we're not going to agree on. But the things, it's just like, it's just like uh, what these governments do. You know, they deal with countries that, uh, you know, would be labeled enemies because, that, that, you know, that there's something they need from, the, from each other, the support of okay, each now, other. Now, see, I just looked it up right now, the meeting in, out of Oakland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It says, a fictional drama of a meeting between Martin Luther King and Malcolm Yeah, but that, but that actually happened, though. Why would it they actually, call it fictional? See, this is what's really... Well, um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why they would call it fictional, but, but it actually happened. Well, and I know mm-hmm. because I'm old enough to. I was back there when it happened, mm-hmm. and 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 at that time they decided, you know, they wasn't going to come and start working together because Malcolm still believed that we're not standing around letting nobody beat us in the head if we don't fight back. And uh-huh. Martin still, Martin was still caught up on his views of uh, we don't raise a hand no matter what they do to us, and and they couldn't come together on some issues like that, but on all the other issues. They were coming together on, and mm-hmm. and they had to kill uh, uh, Malcolm. They had to take Mod uh, out because, for the first time, we had some true intellectuals who understood the dynamic about what was going on, and and who understood. Martin realized that we were never going to get equal justice going and asking the white man for it. But you couldn't have told him that three or four years earlier when they was doing all that marching. Because he really believed that somehow, and even they had a lot of white support. Martin, it was, it was not a you know a black organization. They had a lot of white support. But in spite of that, the big money people and the people who ran this country, who run this government, was not going to allow them to 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 reach the plateau that they were trying to shoot for. Well, let me ask in you fact, this because you know you said Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X, mm-hmm. even Louis Farrakhan. You see these these men who are on a high plateau, who were on a high plateau, Jesse Jackson, Andrew Young. You see these, these gentlemen on a high plateau in which they reached out. Why do we not have these types of men in power now? Well, you know, I think I think one of the, one of the things that happened. In fact, the night that Malcolm got killed, I was at a apartment in Boston with seven other brothers. In fact, we were supposed to have been in New York that night. We were going to go over there to provide some security, but uh, Malcolm them told us not to come over there. They were going to be in Boston the next night, and they wanted us to set it up for them. And they didn't want nobody carrying no guns and nothing like that. You know, Malcolm was a stickler on that. He said, I don't want brothers in here carrying guns and shooting each other. So there was no way to protect him, especially when the police and the FBI and all those people, they told the police that was supposed to be working there that night, they told them to don't come to work that night. They knew this thing was set up. And I guess the creative, for whatever reason, left me where I was because we were in Boston and we should have been in that hall that night. We should have been in that hall. But uh, I think what happened, and I'm not sure exactly, but when Malcolm was murdered and we were sitting there listening to the gun blazing in the hall, I never, I never felt nothing like that in my entire life. And, and nobody in that room spoke 
all of us brothers were sitting around after all of this had taken place. And people kind of just, they left that hall, and it was like all their life had drained out of them. These were brothers who who brought me and said, hey, man, we committed. We're going to join Malcolm. We brought you with us. Let's go and do this thing. And then Malcolm got killed for whatever reason. The the spirit of of keeping it going, they were, just wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to do it. And, they, you know, trying to connect up with the different people in different cities like L.A. and Chicago and New York and Boston, you know, people would say they was going to do something, but they wouldn't follow through. It was like when they killed Malcolm, they killed the the manhood of the black nation. Mm-hmm. They, they and, and for whatever, people never got back. I've never seen the spirit that high no more. It was the first time in my life I ever joined anything, and I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. I knew I wanted, and I didn't even have to question it. I knew that's where I wanted to be. But when I see things drifting away, and the, and, and some of us kept on going. We kept going. I keep in touch with brothers now in Chicago and New York, and we kept on going. But the more we continued to try to do it, the more people would drift away from you. And I, over the years, going through the 70s and 80s and and we would still promote preaching, you know, trying to get people to understand we need to keep going. We need to revive the OAAU. We need to get this thing going again. But for whatever reason, people start looking, even your own people start looking at you and say, wait, you guys, why are you guys still doing this? You know, that it was like racism is dead. We got equality now. We can go to work. We can drink out of a water fountain. We could ride on a bus without having to sit on the back, so everything is over. And but doesn't that mean, isn't it? Yeah, but doesn't that mean that we have we have become stagnant in our way? Yeah, stagnant it, in what it, we're it doing. Is. And, and the thing is, this, this is this is what's really stirring in my spirit. Really, is because we've had these great men in our history who have done great things and tried to make us aware of what we're doing. But now we're faced with our own young generation killing one another, gangs killing one another, you know, black-on-black crime, black-on-black crime. You have such um, such uh, hate, I don't know if you can say it, hatred for one another. We're, we're, we, we are black folks. We have sisters, you know, jealous of other sisters and brothers, jealous of other brothers who are trying to rise up to, to be accomplished individuals with their lives, and you have, you know, all this going on instead of people thinking, would you just get your mind right? And what you call this righteous indignation because uh, mm. this is to 5CL, y'all, and if there's one thing we do is real talk. If we yeah. just get our minds right to the situation to say, my brother, my sister, let's come together. Let's stop killing one another. Let's stop degrading one another. Let's stop um, degrading our young women out on these videos and, and blinging, blinging and, and all this nonsense and, and doing the swag with the pants down below their behinds and, 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 and stop standing on the streets and, 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 and get against these, you know, drugs, drugs and, and all the things that's going on with our people. If we would just think about this, and the thing of it is, it's really so crazy because we've gotten, it, it seems like it's become the norm. 
<laughs> well, it is. We've lost, we've lost touch with the reality of what black pride means. The one thing, we didn't have a whole lot of money and stuff then. We were struggling then when we were in the organizations. Uh, but we, one thing we had, we knew we had brothers and sisters with us that had our back. You know, and somehow we lost that. Now, if you were to go up and talk to so many of your friends, and I challenge anybody of them, anybody that's listening, they will not want to even identify with being an African person anymore. They will start telling you about all of the different things. Yeah, I got part Irish in me. I have one to me. I got three quarters Irish. I got some uh, um, Native American. I got. I said, but wait a minute. You know, do you think the police see all of that stuff when they stop a black man or a black woman? No. They don't they see do. that you're part of this, a part that. They see a black person. You belong to that group. And I think, you know, just I know we, we run out of time, but I suggested everybody. And I have you ever heard of the book uh, Destruction of Black Civilization? Yes, yes. By Chancellor Williams. One of the greatest uh, uh, writers, read it. You will understand where all this self-hate and stuff develop and materialize from. Because if you look at what they call Egypt now, and and he tells the story five or ten years, thousand years before Egypt, Kemet, which Kemet is not Egypt, there's no such place as Egypt. There's no such race of people as, as, as Egyptians. Those people are mulattoes from those interracial relationships when the, the Asians and the whites and the, all these different people came into Africa and the way that they were able to get in there was to to become involved with somebody. In fact, in Upper Kemet, you couldn't get into Upper Kemet during the – black folks used to rule the world. You couldn't get into Upper Kemet unless you married somebody black. That's where these offshoot races come from. There is no such thing as an Egyptian. And, and, and in Chancellor Williams' book, he talks about how some of those people, once the, the, the landscape started to turn white and become lighter and lighter people there, that some of the people who were mulattoes went back and killed their African parents so that they would not be known as being part African. Have, yes, I mean, you have terrible. to study it. It is. You have to mm-hmm. study Then you will understand. Can you imagine? Just can you imagine? Just think about that. Can you imagine uh, waking up one day and realize that your mother and father is back and you go and kill them and then pretend that you're somebody else? Mm-hmm. This shows That's... you the, the range and the, and the, the depravity. The, yeah, uh, uh, that's, that's put into people's minds about black, you know, because the world was turning white. It was getting lighter. You heard that old saying, well, you're brown, stick around, you're white, you're red, you're black, get back. Black, get back. <laughs> yeah. Well, all this stuff it, it has a historical connotations to it, you know? And so we have to understand that the world has changed into what it is now, and for us to stand up and say I'm black and I'm proud is a threat to their existence. And so okay, that's well, why it's important for us to take control of our community, our economics, no matter what they say, because they are the ones who are in, you know, are living in fear 
that one day we're going to come together. Because when we do, let me tell you, two-thirds of the world is people of color. I don't know whether you're aware of that or not. Study, look at your history. Look around you. Two-thirds of the world is people of color. This is one of the reasons why they want to stop uh, immigrants from coming in at the border. What they say by the year 2040 or 2050, that this country will be a country of minority immigrants, black folks, Mexicans, and other immigrants coming here. And so white power will no longer have its tentacles uh, in, into everyone. That's what they're afraid of. That's what Trumpism is all about. Mm-hmm. And so, but if we don't know, understand the history, we don't understand the context, then we don't know how to fight. The, the, the one true fight that we have is to stand up and be proud to be who we are and teach our children to be proud to be who we are and not run around trying to convince the world that you're something else and stop. Do you know, I, I, you know, I, I get into this stuff, and I'll tell you, I get flabbergasted. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you know what yeah. the, the number one selling uh, uh, beauty product in Africa is? What is that? Yeah, Legion like, Green. Legion Green. Yes. Number one seller in Africa. So it shows you how the, they have got into the psychological DNA of our people worldwide. So they want to look, they think that they're not beautiful unless they're light. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to look lighter. They want to look, you know. And, and so that is a, an, an, is a direct uh, infiltration of the, of the psyche uh, by the people who control everything. If you are a minority, if you are the smallest group on the planet, how do you keep control of the rest of the people? By convincing them that they are they they don't have the capabilities. They are first we was dumb, we didn't know how to read, but we brought we brought literature to the, to them. They didn't even know how to read and write until they came in contact with African people. We created writing, but they, they flipped the script on us and made us think that we somehow was derived from the apes and that we are ugly. And, and, and we bought it. We allowed this stuff to dominate our psyche until now we want to be like them. Have you mm. noticed how many of us want to be like them? Oh, quite a few, quite a few. Well, let's, 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 uh, let's take this, well, let's take a commercial break before we close out the show. Because, of course, you know you're here at T25CL, uh, Galaxy Talk Radio, here at Rosalind's Corner. Great, great topics tonight. I really want to thank Dr. Naimano Kwaku, Alex, and Lisa for coming on, um, and for Dr. Uh, Reverend Kenneth Jenkins, that uh, he's uh, listening in. And uh, thank you for listening in, Reverend. Um, but we also would like for you to go to our website at www.t25cl.com. Listen, everybody, look and download the music. Download the independent artist music. Support our brothers and our sisters. And then most of, most of all and foremost, 595, she can't say no, 595. United We Stand. Rent the movie. It's an edutainment documentary that is full, full of entertainment and 
and opening awareness for what's going on in Africa. I, I, I encourage you, you will not leave the same. Trust me, trust me. It took us three years to put this movie together, and we have gotten great, great reviews. This movie is global. It's going global. So I encourage you, everyone within my listening, my listening, your listening ears, my voice to your ears, please go to www.t25cl, go to the link movies, and rent United We Stand. So um, before we do close out the show, Alex, do you have any last uh, comments or Lisa? I'll go with Lisa. Yes. Go with Lisa. Go ahead, Lisa. You have a last comment for tonight? Oh, I was just going to say a great show, and um, I can't wait to um, look forward to the next show and to uh, listen in to Dr. Nanel quickly. Awesome. Well, l- right. listen, in to, listen in tomorrow night. We'll be on tomorrow night at 7.30 uh, Pacific mm-hmm. Time, 10.30 Eastern Time. Uh, uh, Brother Craig, Corey Jefferson, and I will be on together. And also, you can go to the website, and you can look up um, my latest book called White House. Very, I mean, I think. What is it on the website? Is it four ninety nine for the uh, ebook? You can read it right online. Now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go and that, yeah, go and check it out. As some valuable information, as some notes, uh, you know, from my historical study of of some of the major philosophers and and historians in the world, you know. So just check it out, and hopefully it'll give you some insight into how to get your own program started in terms of getting your mind geared. To sometimes you have to stand alone, and and I know a lot of time when we are here fighting the war, we're fighting this battle, and we feel like there's nobody supporting us. But there are a lot of people out here who think the way that you do. You just have to keep pushing forward, and you have mm-hmm. to open your mind up and allow, uh, you know, to, to continue to consume as much information as you can get, and not from them. But you got to go and get the stuff from people who. You know, I don't know if you have wherever you are. I'm sure there are black bookstores because I've been in New York and on the East Coast, and I, I used to. That's where I started my studying. At to be quite honest with you, uh, just buy as much material as you can. Study, because mm-hmm. studying is uh, reading uh, relieves pressure and stress. And and, 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 and that, yeah, go ahead. And, and, that, and, and, and it helps you to you know helps you to relax and 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 get into yourself. And it also helps you to understand that their opinions, there are a lot of valid opinions on this planet. And the only way you can formulate your own is you have to see what everything else is doing, what everybody else is doing around you, and then you will realize that you have a valuable asset as well. You exactly. could be the next writer. You could be the right. next writer. And that's what okay. you have to do. Yes, yeah, so and what is it? Study to show yourself approved. So, Alex, yes. uh, let's go to you, Alex, and we'll wrap it up with uh, Alex. Yes. Um, you know, I just think that a lot of us are awakening, you know. We're becoming more conscious and more learned about who we are as a people. And I think that's one of the uh, healing that we're doing from that symptom, uh, you know, that illness that we had we're recovering from called slavery. So, you know, 400 years is a long time. And, you know, so we we are going through, you know, I think we're awakening. Um, we're dealing with our PTSD in reference to slavery because, you know, we are um, creations of our creators who created us and went through that stuff. So 
running through our bloods are the bloods of the same people that suffered under slavery. So even though we don't, we don't, you know, we may not have a conscious memory of that, our DNA tells us that, you know, it wasn't right. And, you know, we went through slavery, Jim Crow, you know, the civil rights era, and then now we're dealing with a different kind of slavery, you know. We're coming out of mental slavery, but they're still trying to keep us in chains in other ways by preventing us from having opportunities, you know, by breaking us down when we get too powerful. So, you know, the more of us that wake up and realize what it is, I think is the more empowered we're going to be as a people. But we got to take steps, you know. I, I hate a naysayer that says, oh, this is the condition that we're in and we don't have no choice. You know what? I don't believe that because, you know, black folks didn't last that long if if we weren't a resilient people. Now, who could have gone through 400 years of slavery and still been here? Not the white folks, but we did. So there's a reason why we're here. And, you know, I just really think that we got to take small steps, you know, take advantage of things that, that we have, but we we got to realize we can't do it as an individual. We have to do it as a collective, you know. And <laughs> unfor- exactly. unfor- unfortunately, we didn't have the benefit of the whites that have generational wealth. We don't have that to fall back on. So it really makes me mad when people sit and tell me, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. What bootstrap? I don't have none. If I had a bootstrap, I would be pulling myself up by it, you know, but with, with the reality hey, the next, that we got, we got to start from scratch and just say, sister, hey. Sister, the next time yeah. they tell you that, the next time they tell you that, ask them how come 5% of the people on the planet control 95% of the wealth. Exactly. And then, and then, then tell, ask me about some bootstraps. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, you know, we just got to start with small steps. T25CL is one of them, you know, coming together for a common cause, you know, inspiring people to do better with their lives and, um, you know, uh, promoting music and inspiring people's hearts and souls. You know, we start that way. We work as a collective. We put the work in, and you'll see the fruits little by little. We got to do what we got to do. Exactly. And what we do here at T25CL is, like Alex was saying, we come together as a collective. We come together like-minded individuals who want to make a difference in this world, starting with our own individual lives, starting with your family. It starts in the home. And so we reach out for not only the entertainment industry, the movie industry, the movie industry, uh, reading, like I said, reading is knowledge. you got to release your mind and read more. Get out of the Facebook, get out of that TV and read, pick up a book. And then also we need to think about health and wellness. If that's one key thing that Alex is into as well is with um, um, dealing with people who, you know, are ill. And she's going to have her show shortly, uh, you know, going over those kind of things. But as we come together at T25CL, um, we come together uh, being like-minded, wanting to work together. We need people. We need to get up and just get together. If our minds are together, then that's where we're going to go. We're going to be people who are rich in knowledge. How do you get rich in knowledge? you got to get. you got to go out there and get it. Nobody's going to have it on a silver platter. Get out there and get it. So um, 
I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Dr. Preku, do you have any last uh, parting comments before we close out the show? Um, just just continue to study and continue to tune in to all of the shows on T25CL. And, and thank, thank all of you. Uh, and God bless you. And we are one. We are one. And, yes, we can. We can do it. All right. So for um, behalf of T25CL and all our family and staff here, uh, we want to thank everyone for chiming in. Of course, this show has been recorded. Uh, you can go back and listen to it uh, maybe in the next couple of hours. Of course, all our family and friends across the pond, and I, yes, I do mean Africa, Russia, all over there, they listen to our shows. So we want to just thank everyone for uh, tuning in. And, of course, we got tomorrow we have uh, Dr. Nanana Kweku and Corey Jeffries' this show tomorrow night at Soul Vibrations, and we're going to wrap it up again on Monday with the Compton Politics with Lorenzo Elvis Murphy, Tuesday night with uh, Rodney Best and none other than our beautiful sister Barbara McGee, straight talk from the higher brush up there in the penthouse. And, of course, we miss Chief tonight, but he's on assignment. So we just want to thank everyone for joining in, and, of course, keep listening to our show and support. T25CL Entertainment. So we want to tell everyone, everyone, have a good night. Good night, everyone. Hotel. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.